Now, the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter on 1010XL. Presented by Osteen, Volvo, and Volkswagen. And Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics. From Players Grill Miramar, here are your hosts, Ryan the Hacker Green, Leon Searcy, and Coach Campo. They do snap, and he drops an all-out blitz. He fired, that ball's caught. 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown. They beat the blitz. They threw it in the middle of the field. David Bell had the catch. Nobody covered him. They read the blitz, and it is a touchdown and a two-touchdown lead, a 41-yarder for the Cleveland Browns. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars Radio, and with that, a good Sunday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter, as always. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen live at our home for the fifth quarter, the Players' Grill. This week, we're in Miramar, 4456 Hendricks Avenue is the location, the original Players' Grill, and we're always excited to be out here, unfortunately, it's after a loss today for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have now dropped two in a row, a tough game, a game that was loaded with mistakes by both teams. Cleveland gets it done. Joe Flacco gets it done, 31-27 over the Jacksonville Jaguars with the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy and the head coach Dave Campo. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. And, Leon, I think the objective now is clear. All the talk about the number one seed is over. All the talk about, you know, what's Baltimore doing in Miami and Kansas City, that's over. The next month, it's very simple. Just win the division. That's your goal. Win the division, get the four seed, get a home playoff game, and try to get some of these injured guys back. Because clearly right now, what the Jacksonville Jaguars are is not among the elite of the American football conference. Well, you know what, Hackett, what a difference two weeks makes. Yeah. Uh, two weeks, this team was 8-3, and a top of the division. We came in here. We said we're the number one seed going into the playoffs. Everything looks like uh, rainbows and unicorns, huh? Now we're leaking oil. Last two games, last two losses. Now we're down to the point where you just want to win the division. Fortunately for us, Indianapolis Coast lost, Houston Texans lost. Houston got beat up today, They got too, beat up today, with too. With injuries. Uh, and, I mean, listen, the game was, was a bevy of mistakes on both sides of the ball interceptions, turnovers. Uh, Coach was just talking about uh, zero blitz when no one covers anybody. I mean, tight ends running free, wide receivers running free. It was just a breakdown in communication on the offense side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. I mean, you can't have those kind of mistakes at this point in the season where every game is essentially a playoff game. And the Jaguars today, in my opinion, didn't play like it was like one. Coach, you're a defensive guy, so when David Njoku can fair catch two touchdowns, that's interesting defense there in the secondary. Or when Darius Williams falls down on a fourth down and uh, David Bell from Cleveland can just walk into the end zone when he's calling his family on the cell phone. That's not exactly the defensive performance we like to see out there. What happened in those breakdowns? Well, first of all, the first one was the one that got me. And it started, you know, it started the whole thing off. Uh-huh. You know, and, and again, you know, they, they went with a heavy operation. They had three tight ends in there, and they had a fullback in there. So it was a third and short. Uh, they assumed they were going to run the ball. And you know what happens when you make – assume. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I'll ask out of you and me. Yes. I don't know if I'm supposed Absolutely. to say that. You said it right, Coach. Why but, not, Coach? But I guarantee you one thing. Njoku is not the one guy not to cover. We had no free safety, and Njoku just ran straight down the field. They brought both edges. 
I don't know what they were thinking. I, I don't know if somebody busted, but uh, that started the whole thing off. Unfortunately, we had some of the same things on offense. Two of the interceptions, one of them, Ridley, didn't look for the ball as soon as he made the cut when they brought somebody on that side, so it should have been a hot throw. And the other one, the second interception, the one on the sideline, he wasn't running hard. He didn't think the ball was coming to him. And then the, he took off, and, the, and all of a sudden the ball is caught by the other guy. It's interesting how a fan base can turn on a guy, too. Now, again, social media is not all the Jaguar fans. In fact, it's probably a very uh, small number of Jaguar fans. But it's the world we live in on game days. And Jaguar Twitter went to a dark place with Calvin Ridley today. All the glowing endorsements of him during training camp and the preseason and in the first couple of weeks, uh, they've gone to the dark side on Ridley a little bit. Leon, what's your assessment of Calvin Ridley right now? Well, I mean, he's not playing well. I mean, uh, at some particular times in the game, I think he's in a fog. I don't think if he doesn't get the ball early, he just seems to be uninterested in the game. And you, you can't have that kind of guy. You can't have that kind of guy that's looking to get paid next year that, that, that disappears when you need him the most in games. If you don't give him the ball early and often, he kind of just fades away. So you get the tr- I think Trevor was trying to get him involved in a lot of those situational passes. And then the one pass where he doesn't look back, you could tell after the play, Trevor was clearly frustrated with the guy. He was pointing to his eyes, telling him, hey, bro, you got to look back for the ball. So, I mean, listen – all the attention that was that was supposed to be Calvin Ridley, all the numbers he was supposed to put up, you know, being the number one receiver, uh, you can't pay that guy that kind of money he's going to be asking for when at the most most the time you need him the most, you know, he doesn't appear. I had a buddy of mine text me saying that interceptions on Lawrence, and I said, wait a minute, and I Dempsey said this in the network post game, and I completely agree with him. I'm going to assume again. There's that word again, coach. I'm going to assume that Trevor Lawrence probably has a better grasp on the offense than Calvin Ridley. So when Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball and immediately looks at Ridley and is basically like, what are you doing? I'm going to, again, assume that was Calvin Ridley's fault. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, definitely it was. And, 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 you know, the one thing that's interesting is the one thing about Trevor Lawrence is, you know, he demonstrates that he's 100% into it. On the ball game, you know, he, he reacts the way a quarterback should react, you know, point to the eyes, do whatever. Mm-hmm. But when he goes into the postgame deal, he do, he's not going to throw his guys under the, under the bus. Never throws them under the bus. That's a and, great and, point. And let me tell you something. That's the way it should be, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know about pointing at the eyes when he's on the field, when the camera's on him. I would be doing it on the sideline, but he'll learn that. As he goes here, as far as the leadership is concerned, I, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, everybody's going to get upset. The one uh, fourth down play where he threw the deep ball, everybody's saying that was a dumb call. It wasn't a dumb call. They blitzed, and, and that's their check off. And sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, it was just there are a lot of little discipline mistakes that we're making right now that we didn't make a year ago. I can tell you that right now. The, the only thing is, and I want to get Leon's thoughts because, Leon, you brought this up to me. On fourth and one, when you run a go route 35 yards down the field, obviously they know what we know, what other opponents know, is their short yardage sucks. Mm. At this point, let's just call it what it is. The Jaguar short yardage package sucks. It is probably the worst in the NFL they couldn't gain a yard on third and one or fourth and one if their life depended on it. So that's why you're running go routes 
yeah. 35 yards down the field. Well, well, listen, that's a detriment to the offensive line. If they're running go routes on third and short, fourth and short, that means that they don't believe that the guys interiorly can get the job done. I mean, that's a slap in the face of any offensive lineman that you're in shotgun on third and one or fourth and one because they can't get under the center head into the running back and get a one freaking yard. I mean, that's a disgrace. That's yeah, a disgrace I, to any offensive <laughs> lineman that have ever played the game to be going in shotgun and throwing go routes on third and one and fourth and one because you don't feel confident enough in your offensive line to get a yard. Well, that's the worst thing we do. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, we couldn't get the running game going today. Mm-mm. The key to the whole ball game to me was getting the running game going. I said at a bunch of shows this week, if you can't run the football with that pass rush that they've got, you're in trouble. And that's exactly what happened. When, when uh, Ezra Cleveland went down, Shatley came in, he gave up a sack. Uh, the the Hance was uh, in a battle the whole game and, and really honestly – uh, you know, he didn't allow the guy to get a yeah. bunch of sacks. Yeah, but he was holding but, on for but, dear life. But he was in trouble from the beginning, and believe me, the quarterback yes. feels that when mm-hmm. it's when it's coming. You yeah. know, I so. like to think I'm, you know, kind of an encyclopedia of Jaguar knowledge. I couldn't tell you who the fourth left tackle was in 1999, the team you were on. I have no idea. It was you and Baselli. I know Coleman replaced Baselli when he got hurt. But when you're down to your fourth guy the, at left tackle, I don't blame Blake Hans for holding on. Yeah. Our fourth left tackle, we call him the Big Greasy. I don't know his name, but his name is Big Greasy. <laughs> big, okay, well, there you go. The, if the Big Greasy was in there, I mean, here you're holding on for your life. Hey, yeah. Blake Hans is a guy that's like, are you kidding me? Listen, I go in there and Miles Garrett is who I'm staring at? Listen, what is, I, what is I this? Wanted, I wanted to text Maselli because I know he was in Cleveland and told him to put his pads on. I had people asking me what you were doing. <laughs> Come on. I was like, what's Leon doing? Can oh. he go in there? I mean, they got problems on the O-line. Yeah, you know what, guys? And I am never – Ultra positive guy. I don't coach if you know that or not. I'm, yeah. I've been accused of being negative far more than being positive. And maybe it's because Indy and Houston got boat raced today. And maybe it's because Houston – look, injuries suck, but it's part of the game. And Houston got really banged up, including C.J. Stroud, who I believe is in concussion protocol. We hope the best for that young man. Nico Collins left the game. I mean, Houston got severely banged up today. But I'm looking at this game. Four turnovers – the Jaguars having breakdown after breakdown defensively. You got your fourth left tackle out there. Cleveland's 5-1 and one at home this year. And it was 31-27. Mm-hmm. I mean, some losses to me, Leon, obviously they all count the same in the win-loss column. Some losses feel different. I felt far worse and PO'd last week against Cincinnati than I did today. I'm not happy they lost, but I'm – I'm okay with the effort that was at least displayed out there. They didn't give up. They didn't mail it in. Well, I'm not happy with the loss. I absolutely hate the loss because of the simple fact that they didn't play their best football. This team doesn't understand how to be the front runner, okay? You're no longer the hunter. You're the hunted, all right? The Jaguars are the team to beat from now on. I was even listening to this, to this on the TV show, and I was thinking about this. This, this team doesn't play like it's a favorite. It plays like it's, you know – they, they, they don't play like they should when they in games or this type of situation. I, it's just frustrating to me because last year was wonderful. You know, we made a decent run and everything like that. Wasn't really expected. This Going into this season, the expectations were a lot higher. Mm-hmm. When you go on the road like that, you've got to play with a, with a swag or a confidence that teams are going to come after you. No longer are the days that you're going to be waiting in the wings to beat teams. Teams are going to give you their best each and every Sunday. And I don't think this team rises up for their, that, that occasion, knowing that every Sunday there's teams that are out there trying to beat you. Coach, what was your assessment of Trevor Lawrence today? 
Well, I think he was a little off today. Uh, you know, there were some things that he he probably could have done a little bit better. I thought he showed his toughness and his his resolve and uh, all those kind of things. Uh, you know, that was the way we couldn't run the football. So that pass rush, they were they were after him. And mm-hmm. and you know, again, I think some of his receivers let him down today. Uh, I. It was not his best effort, let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I thought he showed his toughness and his resolve. Again, you got four games to go. There's still a, a month to go in the season. Pretty crazy there's still a month left. Here's the most basic way to break it down. Don't even look at the standings when it says Jacksonville 8-5, and five, Indy 7-6. and six. That's irrelevant. The Jaguars are up two games on Indianapolis. Indy has to finish a game better. If Jacksonville and Indy have the same record – Jacksonville has the tiebreaker. So the Jaguars are essentially up two on Indy with four to go. They're essentially up a game and a half on Houston because they currently have a better division record. And if Jacksonville beats Tennessee in Nashville, again, who knows if they will, but if they beat Tennessee, then their tiebreaker goes to a full game. So basically the Jaguars are up two with four to go. You have Carolina. I'm sorry. If you don't beat Carolina at home, you probably don't deserve to go to the playoffs anyway. You go to Tennessee, you go to Tampa, which that looks a little more dicey than maybe it did a, a couple weeks ago, and you have Baltimore. So, Leon, they well, are still the overwhelming yeah. favorite to win this division. Yeah, they are, but it's, it's the, the way they look the last couple of weeks that's alarming to me because how you play in December is going to probably be a keynote to how you're going to play in the playoffs. And this team has been very unimpressive the last couple of weeks uh, against Cincinnati and against Cleveland. Can they right the ship? Absolutely they can right the ship. But if you're playing, can't run the ball, turn the ball over, can't convert on third downs, can't stop the run, giving up big plays, all that's, all that's going to do is be carryover <laughs> for when they do the win the division and they win the playoffs. If you look at the teams that are playing good, the Baltimores, the Miami Dolphins, the Cowboys, the 49ers, they're, they're playing their best ball because they know – in a few weeks, they're going to be in the playoffs, and you want to have that momentum going into the playoffs, unlike us, where we're leaking oil going into the You're playoffs. You're not wrong, but to me, that's about why I'm talking about survival. You're trying to survive until Cam Robinson comes back. Right. You're trying to survive <laughs> until Walker Little and Tyson Campbell and Fadakasi and, and Jamal Agnew. I mean, you are beat to death injury-wise, and some of these guys will be coming back over the next three and four weeks. Hopefully you get Kirk back at some point. They obviously miss him, but to me it's survival, Coach, until some of these guys come back. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the thing that concerns me more than anything else is really two things that concern me. We can't run the football, No. period, okay? That's number one. Number two, if we played any kind of defense at all in the last two games, we'd have won both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the teams you're playing, the offense, even though they're making some mistakes, like you said earlier – they, they did score 20, 27. So the offense is not my biggest concern as long as we don't make mistakes like fumbling, a, you know, a ball when, it, when we get a catch or, you know, making some bad throws or somebody not running the right route. On defense, I'm really concerned right now, not only because we lost some guys, but I don't think we're playing very well. We're a straight zone defense. We can't play man-to-man. And, you know, uh, listen, there's a lot of open area. If we don't get the pass rush, which we're not getting enough, 
we're in trouble on defense, and that's the concern I have more than anything else. Phone lines open, 641-1010 Jacksonville is the phone lines. We're scheduled to be with you until 8.30 tonight. We did start a little late. That was a long game, three hours and 40 minutes for a 1 o'clock game, pretty long. So we'll stay a little overtime here with you this evening. To the All-Pro Roofing phone line, we go to kick things off here on the fifth quarter. Let's go to Fruit Cove. Let's get Carson in here on 1010XL. Carson, what's going on? Hey, I appreciate y'all having me on. I just want to say death, taxes, and uh, miscommunication in our secondary. It seems like every week, uh, you know, there's just an inexcusable um, touchdown let up from miscommunication or somebody being out of assignment. But uh, one other thing I want to think about, Leon touched on it, about us just not being physical in December. You know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, man, like, I'm just thinking about these draft picks that are sitting on the bench right now, these premium players like Brenton Strange, Chad Muma, Tank Bigsby. Like, we drafted these guys in second, third-round picks. I mean, prime selections that are offering us nothing when we need them. Like, when our other guys are down, like, we're banged up. We need to be physical. And, like, we drafted these guys that are really just sitting on our bench. But uh, I don't know. I'll, just, I'll take y'all thoughts off the air. Carson, appreciate well. it. The rookie class has been awful. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, first of all, is. they're not premium, all right? There's a reason why they're not playing, because they can't be trusted. At this particular point of the season in December, coach will tell you, you, if you either you're in the game plan or you're on the sideline watching the game plan. And if the coaching staff – and the coaching staff knows in practice that they can trust you. If you got busted plays, missed assignments, and all that kind of stuff in practice, no way in hell they're going to put you in the game. So that says, that's an indictment on that class. Anton Harrison has only been the one established – uh, a pick for this year that's playing week in and week out. He's been a lot more consistent in the uh, these guys have been playing. Well, look, Antonio Johnson, coach, I think there's some signs there. Look, I know he fumbled today, but he's a sixth-round pick that's been thrust in. I'm fine with Parker Washington through two games. He's going to get better. I like he had the touchdown today, so obviously he didn't get down on himself after the fumble. But Brenton Strange, he's injured right now. Tank Bigsby and Yasir Abdullah are doing nothing. That's your second-round well, pick, your third-round pick, and your fifth-round pick that are absolutely doing nothing. Well, I mean, they're rookies. And if, you, if, you, if, you're rely, if you're reliant on your rookie class to come in and be impactful, that means you ain't, you ain't got no veterans worth a damn. But second- and third-round picks, Leon, doing yeah. nothing 13 weeks in? Yeah. Well. I mean, second- and third-rounders, man. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know, yeah. Coach, am I wrong? No, no, that's a concern. I mean, it's a concern. I agree with Leon from the standpoint that you hope you have a – uh, veteran enough team that you don't have to mm. count on those guys, but uh, they 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 lost some trust. I mean, you know that's that's one of the reasons they're not playing, mm-hmm. and and uh, obviously they're not showing it in practice to where they need to, you know, to to, to move up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Dionis Johnson got banged up a little bit today. I didn't see Bigsby. So, you know, that, that's a trust factor. There's no question. And Strange is hurt. Yeah, Strange is hurt. But, but I'll tell you what, though. I, I, you know, been, I haven't seen him when he was playing being that, uh, you know, decisive in the ball game. Yeah, exactly. Rookie class has been disappointing, although, again, they might have found something with Antonio Johnson. Oh, oh well, Antonio Johnson, uh, Gregory Jr. had a rough day today. And uh, they split time with him and, and uh, Antonio Johnson. I like Antonio Johnson. He caused a sack. He covered some guys pretty darn well. Not mm-hmm. had a pass broken up. You know, I like him. I, I don't know that Junior's ready to roll. I like, I like Johnson, though. Back to the phone lines we go. 641-1010 down to Melbourne. Let's get Steve in here on the fifth quarter. Steve, what do you got? 
Hey, not too much, guys. Uh, I'm just disappointed with how they played the last two weeks, uh, defense not being as good as they have been. Mind you, I understand the injuries are piling up. Uh, you guys kind of took my two things I wanted to bring up, uh, Parker Washington, except for the fumble. He shows a lot of promise. Uh, Antonio Johnson, uh, heck, you're down home, ride till we die on the SEC. I knew he was gonna. He was a damn good uh, nickelback. Uh, you, you have a big, long, tall man who loves physicality, and you saw it on that forced fumble. And he had a couple pass breakups, a couple tackles. I see promise there, but like Bigsby, nothing. Uh, Ventral Miller is out for the year. Uh, Everybody else, Brenton Strange is actually good at blocking, but uh, not much F, uh, other than that. But I agree, rookie class isn't showing anything, and we definitely need to show up at Sunday night. That's really all I could say. We just need to show up and win a home game. Hey, Steve, appreciate it. The one thing, Leon, I will say about the rookie class, again, you know my motto, if I don't notice you, you're probably doing a good job on the O-line I didn't notice Anton Harrison again a lot today. Obviously, he looks like he's going to be a good one. Well, I mean, he, yeah, he's getting better. He, he's absolutely getting better. And uh, he, he, the transition out of his stance is, is, is a lot more fluent. He's using his hands well. He's sitting well. He's not holding. He's not getting penalties. He's not getting false starts and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, gonna, he's had a solid rookie year. Outside of that KC game where, you know, Chris Jones, you know, baptized him. Yeah, um, which he'll do that to a lot of people. He'll do a lot of people. Even he went up against Bosa. I mean, I think he did a decent job against Bosa on a couple of occasions. So, I mean, he's been baptized by fire. And I, I like the fact that the kid has answered the bell in the mass majority of the time. Coach, you mentioned the pass rush, obviously lacking today when 38-year-old Joe Flacco can sit back there an overwhelming majority of the time and just play bingo and find his open wide receivers. That's a problem. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously the, the lack of a pass rush is showing up a little bit. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like all we were doing was zone blitzing. We, we, we just can't lock up man-to-man and come get a guy. Uh, so, really, to be honest with you, uh, the, the lack of pass rush is showing up now. San Francisco and Seattle are exchanging pleasantries right now. Is this a good old-fashioned melee we got going on here? Uh, we got their meeting. I don't know. Uh, obviously, two division rivals don't particularly care for one another. We'll keep you updated, but uh, referees are going to have to sort this out because uh, San Francisco and Seattle, again, a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving. I don't know how much of a fighting there is going on, but certainly some words being exchanged at the very end of this 49er and Seahawk game. Let's get one more in here on the opening segment. Again, if you're on the phone lines, we'll get to you. We're with you for at least another 90 minutes or so. Let's go up to Buffalo. Let's get our guy Junior in here on the fifth quarter. Junior, what's going on? Uh, Not so good, guys. Not so good. Um... Monday night game was depressing for me, <laughs> obviously. Um, but they, this team, to me, don't have the killer instinct that they use. You, a team who's leading your leading your division, being eight and four, trying to keep winning, they don't have that killer instinct to be that dominant team. I don't see it, and that's frustrating. I wish they had that dominance, like a San Francisco or a Dallas or Philadelphia. They don't. They just don't have that killer instinct, and that's frustrating to see your team. Guys on the field don't have that killer instinct to say, hey, let's get this job done. To make those many mistakes in week 14 that you were making, you should have been making in preseason, that's, 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 that's not uncalled for right now. We need them to buckle down and win, and they're not doing it. And 
We, the last four games is going to be tough. I can't get myself psyched anymore. I let myself get psyched up week three, and we lost to Houston. I can't get myself psyched. I'm staying flatlined until we do something because I, it, it's frustrating for me to get up and then to be brought down. Let's hope we can do it Sunday, but I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, guys. Have a good one. Hey, Junior, appreciate it. I'm not getting flatlined. I'm just picking Baltimore to win. I'll tell you right now. I'll pick Baltimore to win tonight. Coaching with Campo with you tomorrow on Hacker After Dark. And every night this week, you ask me who I'm going to pick, it's Baltimore. I will not pick Jacksonville to win a big game at home until they actually do it. They're going to have to prove me wrong. They got boat raced by Houston. They got absolutely embarrassed by San Francisco. And they couldn't score an offensive touchdown against Kansas City. They've had three showcase games, Kansas City, Cincy, and Houston, where they've lost all of them at home. Now they have their fourth showcase game, and I have no reason right now to pick them to beat Baltimore. Well, you know, obviously that's going to be a tough ball game. I mean, you know, Baltimore's probably playing the best uh, in the AFC right now. And uh, you say, you know, You're right. You say that, but, like, the Rams went in there today, a middle-of-the-pack NFC you know, yeah. team, and Every, it took a 75-yard punt return for Baltimore to win that well, game. Well, you know me. Uh, listen. Uh, every game's different. It's week to week. Uh, yeah, it's week to week. Uh, you know, obviously you're not going to uh, make a decision. I like what you said, though. They haven't shown me yet that they can give that kind of a, a, well, a game against a really good one. Well, I think the, big, the biggest difference between the Jaguars of last year and this year that there was a, a sense of desperation on this team last year. This team knew last year they had to win every game to give themselves a shot at the end to make the playoffs. You see, this team now, they win some games against below 500 teams, and they feel established, like they've arrived. And that's the reason why some of the fans look like when they come into big games, they don't show any fire. Sometimes they think they're just going to step out on the field, and all of a sudden, magically, they're going to win the game. No, you got to put that fire. you got to put that energy and that effort and that toughness and that physicality into every freaking game you play, especially down the stretch. Because I always say, listen, at this time of the year, the pretenders and the contenders – get separated the only thing that gives you some hope is that in reality you look at you look at the Miami Dolphins they haven't beat a team over 500 when they played them we are five and two against teams over 500 when we played them so this team just got to get themselves right they're not right right now Mm -hmm. for whatever reason whether it's uh, uh, injuries or whether it's just guys not focused like you said playing in prime time when they when they have to, you know, show up. Well, real quick, Coach, I mean, running the ball is attitude, though. Yeah, that's oh, just absolutely. Straight, that's just straight attitude. Yep. And, they're, look, they're not the tougher team. The they, last yeah, two games on the they're line not. of scrimmage, not. they have been out physical. There's no that's, question that's about that. That's all correct. right, Gary, Travis, Patrick, Jonathan, all you guys hang in there. You'll be mm. up on the other side. It is the fifth quarter live. Players Grill Miramar. On Hendricks Avenue, delicious menu, TVs everywhere. They got a lot of locations at Players Grill, right? We're out on Hendricks Avenue. They got one down the street in my neck of the woods in Mandarin. They're out in Oak Leaf. There's a new one opening up in the Brooklyn area here in town. Players Grill is expanding. Why is it expanding? Well, it's good food. It's good service. It's good people. That's why you expand when people come and support your product. And obviously, Players Grill has been doing it for a long time, and we're happy it's the home for the fifth quarter. Your phone calls next after the Jaguars fall to Cleveland, 31-27. Fifth quarter rolls on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Miramar. Presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Dropping the throw is Trevor looking. Fires back corner of the end zone. Almost caught for the touchdown. Evan Ingram in the right corner. And Jacksonville is in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown pass. Frank Frangi on the call, Jaguars Radio. That was the first of two Evan Ingram touchdowns today. What a day for Evan Ingram. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you an offensive player of the game. That offensive player of the game is brought to you by Universal Roof. RJ, let's do it now. The Universal Roof offensive player of the game. Universal Roof and Contracting presents the Offensive Player of the Game. Universal Roof and Contracting. The difference is universal. All right, Coach, 11 grabs, 95 yards, two touchdowns for Evan Ingram. Today he broke his own record, single-season receptions for a tight end. Evan Ingram, 84 catches, 700 yards, and there are still four games to go. You could be talking 100 catches, Outside shot at 1,000 yards for Evan Ingram this year. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the interesting thing, coming from the Giants, you know, everybody had some uh, question marks about the guy. I think he's one of the outstanding receivers in the league. Uh, You know, you say he's a tight end, but in reality, he's really a big wide receiver. And, uh, you know, I mean, he – he catches everything as well. I, I all this stuff about him dropping the ball and this and that. He catches 99.9% of the balls thrown to him. So, you know, 11 out of 12 today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's one of the guys that you have to have in the ball game, kind of like Kirk. I think we lose a little bit with Kirk not being there. Those are guys that are, are, are uh, guys that you count on. Okay, those kind of guys. And, and uh, you know, he's done a great job. Well, Leon, what's been lost in the last two losses, Evan Ingram, 17 catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns mm-hmm. in the last two games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Jimmy Smith stuff from back in the day. Yeah. A lot of Jaguar receivers haven't gone for 17 and a buck 70 in two games, but Evan Ingram has done that. I mean, listen, he's been your most consistent uh, pass receiver right now, and I, I would love to see him to demand more catches. I mean, like Kelsey. You know, when, when the team seems to be struggling, I mean, he seems to get open. He, he, the, the grabs, the, the two-hand catches, the, 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 the whereabouts to get your feet down in, in tough, tough uh, situations, uh, across the middle, through zone, man coverage, whatever. I mean, he's getting open. He's making plays. I like to see I mean, he's had a lot of ca- – If he's the one reliable receiver we have on the team right now. So, if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, listen, Trevor, Get me the ball. I want the ball. He's got to demand the ball now, especially if we want to go where we need to go down the stretch. He's got to demand even more catches because right now he's the most reliable guy. Back to the phone lines we go, 641-1010. Again, fifth quarter live from Players Grill on Hendricks Avenue in Miramar. Let's head to the phone lines. Let's go to St. John's County. Let's get Patrick in here on 1010XL. Patrick, what do you got? Hey, guys, first time, long time. Um, I just had three issues from what I heard from the last segment. Um, we were pinpointing it to the O-line. We talked about the rushing, and we talked about the defense. I feel like you can funnel it down to one common denominator. The O-line, well, first of all, in ETN with rushing, let's start with the rushing. ETN has the most carries in the league. Why would you do that if you had a trustworthy quarterback? The O-line, I think you know what's going to happen when you have the most rush in the league. So you're going to see the rush. And then the defense. 
had three turnovers today that put them in offense in great position. So when earlier when you mentioned that it looked the score didn't look as bad as the or the game didn't look as bad as the score was, it felt like it was the complete opposite. Um, in that the defense set them up for those opportunities. Really, there was only the defense the turnovers were the difference in that game being forty-seven to seven. So that's kind of my take. And anyway, bottom line is it's and this has been the trend the whole year with defense especially, but I feel like it kind of narrows down to Trevor. He's really underperforming. I'm curious where your take is on that. Yeah, they did not lose the game today because of Trevor Lawrence. They did not lose the game last week because of Trevor Lawrence. They lost the game today because the defense couldn't get any pressure on Joe Flacco, and you had a 38-year-old guy who was sitting on his couch three weeks ago throw for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns on you. To, to say that the, this game falls on Trevor Lawrence, to me, look, well, I respect all opinions, but that's crazy talk. Well, I mean, we didn't win the game today because of Trevor Lawrence. No. I mean, you throw three interceptions, I don't care where they are. It hurts. You scored, hurts your ball, you ball scored 27 points yeah, you on scored, the road but, but against like, that defense? I know, but like the caller said, he was, uh, a lot, two of those touchdowns were set up by the defense. Uh, inability to take the ball 80 yards and go down and score. Two of those touchdowns that we scored were set up by the defense. The one, the blitz, where he fumbled. And then the other was an interception that set us up in, 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 on the short field where we scored a touchdown. So, I mean, our inability, I mean, Trevor's interceptions, they were heart-wrenching. I mean, as much well, as Well, I'm not putting say, the Calvin Ridley pick on him. That's Ridley's fault. Well, you, okay, take that one, more, yeah. take that one away. So, but so then, the, the other interception was a fourth and one. That might as well have been a punt. It was 40 yards down the field. If yeah. you weren't going to get it anyway. I mean, I'm just saying it set, the, it set them up at midfield. But when you throw an interception 40 yards down the field, I, I don't know. I just think, to me, the defense was so bad at times today. And, yeah, they did some good things, but Cleveland helped them out. Amari Cooper's fumble was a ridiculous fumble. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco threw the ball right to Darius Williams. Again, he had to catch it. True. But Amari Cooper fell down, and Darius Williams is right there for the pick. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just thought the defense, to me, left a lot to be desired today. Yeah, I, you know, again, I, I don't think the defense is playing very well when you give up 300 yards passing, uh, you know, but it starts with the rush. Everything else, we don't have cover guys that can cover man-to-man. We don't play man-to-man. The team we played today played man-to-man almost the whole ball game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when that happens, uh, you know, you got to get some guys open, you know, and, and we had a couple mis- mismatches, mistakes. And, and, again, one of the telling things John was telling us, and he's right, our on-site engineer, um, if you look at the targets for Ridley and Zay Jones today compared to the amount of catches they actually had. So Ridley was targeted uh, 13 times. Zay Jones was targeted 14 times. I'm do my Wolfson math on that. That's 27 targets for Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. They had nine catches. Nine. Mm. Mm. catches on 27 targets. Mm. Leon, that's not very good. No, shoot, that's 30%. Now, is that on Trevor? Is that on the receivers? Probably a little bit of both. But I I agree with what you said with Ridley. It sometimes looks like he's just – He's in the fog, bro. Yeah. I mean, and he, he's he's a guy that, that wants to get paid uh, two months from now when the season is over with. I mean, you, you listen, how you play in the month of December, this this is where legends are made of. And, and, and you can't have those kind of stats – and then come, at, then come knocking on the door in February and say, hey, I want a big contract. No, you got to live up to those standards right now. I mean, right now we need you. You know, we're down the receiver. Kristen Kirk's out. We need you to step your game up. You can't have whatever you said, what, 13 targets and four catches? Yeah. You can't have that, bro. Yeah. Now, if you're not with the type of money you're going to try to demand in February, we got to see it now. 
I mean, this is this is a. Uh, I want to say I was going to say what Coach used to say, but I'm not going. Uh, <laughs> chestnut cutting time. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we got to get it done, baby. Let's go down to West Palm Beach. Let's get Travis in here on the fifth quarter. Travis, go ahead. What's going on, guys? How are you, man? I've uh, been better. Just uh, want to say, man, we're we're a bad team right now. We're not a good team on offense. Def- uh, defense looks horrendous two weeks in a row. Coach, how do we bounce back after two showings in a row? Um, going forward, we had a tough game next week. What do we got to do to fix this thing? Hey, Travis, appreciate the phone call real quick, Coach. Again, I cannot believe I'm the positive guy. They've scored 58 points in the last two games. They scored 31 last week, 27 today. To sit here and say the offense isn't doing well, they've averaged 29 points the last two games. To me, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, well, it just doesn't look good when you make a lot of mistakes. And the penalties today hurt mm-hmm. us him in some key situations. Uh, the uh, interceptions obviously hurt us in some key situations. You know, it just, you know, uh, the, we expect so much more. Look, let me put it this way. I think the best way I can say it is we had no expectations for the defense. None. They kept us in a bunch of ball games this year. We had all kinds of expectations of the offense. And even though they scored that many points, like Leon said and the caller said, they were set up at least one time. And the last touchdown was when they were sitting back with a two-score lead with not much time left on the clock. So – we need to get better on both sides of the football if we're going to do anything going forward here. Uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a coach. I, I'm not sure we can beat anybody right now. I don't give a darn whether it's Carolina or who it is because we're not executing. We're, not, we're making too many mistakes. We're not executing the way we need to execute to win games in this league, and every game is different. Scary thing, Leon, too, Jake Browning, Joe Flacco – a week from tonight, it's Lamar Jackson. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you what, don't get any pass rush on him and see what happens. It's going to be – got to get pass rush on him. Now, for whatever reason, the Jaguars – it's like the Pittsburgh thing, right? For whatever reason, the Jaguars just play well up in Pittsburgh. The Jaguars have played well against John Harbaugh, Baltimore Raven teams. I mean, look back to last year, right? The Jaguars mm-hmm. came all the way back to beat Lamar Jackson and Baltimore before they really got things cooking. So – Again, I'm not picking Jacksonville to win. I'm just pointing out that matchups matter, coaching matchups matter, and they've had success against Harbaugh as of late as the coach of Baltimore. Real quick, one more phone call on this side. Let's go to the state of Alabama. Let's get Jonathan in here on 1010XL. Jonathan, what do you got? Oh, my gosh. Today was a complete disgrace. I mean, it seems like Flacco picked us apart, and the defense had, like, one bright spot, and that was those three turnovers but other than that we we just got completely picked apart by Flacco and I don't know what y'all thought of the officiating today I kind of thought it was bad and then the miscommunication with uh, Trevor and Ridley I mean they've got to get on the same page as far as the route that Ridley is running Jonathan appreciate the phone call I can tell you the ironic part I know Jaguar fans were upset about the officiating Miles Garrett in his post-game press conference today literally talked about how awful the officiating was from the Cleveland point of view. Everybody hates officials. Every one of them does. All right? There was no pass interference. There should have been pass interference, this, that, and the other. You play 17 games. always been a firm believer. You're going to get the business on some calls. You're going to get the benefit of the doubt on the other calls. 
But after 17 games, and you guys tell me. Oh, it equals it out. I, it equals out, It right? equals out, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, a great example is if, if we don't go for the fourth down at the end there and give them a short field to kick a field goal. They only made one yard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they made one yard to kick the field goal. That pass interference call on the goal line would have cost them the football game. Mm-hmm. If you let the officials make the decision on whether you win or lose, you're gonna you. It's it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. You don't know if they're gonna make the right call or not. It's everything's happening fast, you know. So to me, uh, I'd be more worried about going for four, fourth down twice and not making it, and and especially in that situation where you still had three something minutes left. I, I, I you know I listen. I'm old school. I, I'm more concerned with that than I am some of the mistakes we're made because I think that's a, that's a mistake, in my opinion. Every fan base, Leon, hates the officials. Every mm-hmm. fan base believes the officials are out to get them. Every fan base uh, thinks that the officials are in, are in the bag, right? They're getting money or whatever. That's what it is like being a fan. I also got a little bit of a kick out of it today. Look, the Jaguars are extremely banged up, and, and the Jaguar injuries certainly are not helping them. You know who does not want to hear about injuries are the Cleveland Browns. No Deshaun Watson, no Nick Chubb, no Denzel Ward. They're without three of their starting offensive linemen from a month ago. And that didn't seem to matter because Cleveland put it all together with a guy that got off the couch three weeks ago and Joe Flacco. Every team is banged up this time of year. Yeah. It's your job to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, you got to suck it up. You got to suck it up. You're, you're paid professionals. When you're, when you're, when you're asked to do a job, you're, you're, you're expected to perform at a certain level. I mean, whether you're a second-string, third-string guy, whatever, you can't feel sorry for a guy like Hands. He's been in the league over four years. All right? He got to play left tackle. Yeah, you got to go up against a beast. But, yeah, but we pay you to go up against a beast. Mm-hmm. All right? You just got to put on your big boy pants and get it done. I mean, every team at this particular time of the year, everybody's banged up. No one wants to hear your whining and crying about we got this guy missing. No, you got to suck it up. Guys behind got to step up and not miss a beat because the ultimate goal is to make the playoffs and see who dance in February. It is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volvo Players Grill Miramar, 4456 Hendricks Avenue. We're either here or down the street at the Players Grill location in Mandarin for a majority of the remainder of the fifth quarters. We obviously will not be here from 1.30 to 3.30 a.m. on the Monday morning next week after Sunday night football, but we're here for a majority of the fifth quarters. Delicious menu, burgers, chicken. I'm a big fan of the jalapeno poppers. I know, Coach, you like the mozzarella sticks. Leon, you're a uh, – you just tried that pretzel, man. Uh, yeah, ha- yeah, the pretzel and uh, the, the frickles, the fried pickles. Oh, the fried pickles. There Leon loves some fried pickles, no question about that. Join us out here, Players Grill Miramar, for the fifth quarter. More of your phone calls. We'll give a defensive player of the game. And we will keep you updated on Buffalo and Kansas City. A good one coming down to the wire in Arrowhead. More to do. Glad you're with us. Fifth quarter rolls on on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Miramar. Presented by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen on 1010XL. Play fake, Flacco drops, throws a little slant, and that ball's caught by Amari Cooper, broke a tackle. Now the ball comes out. The ball comes out, and the Jags pick it up. That's David Lloyd running it back to the 15, to the 10-yard line. Another takeaway for the Jaguars defense, and that's a big one. 
inside the red zone. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars radio. That was one of three turnovers the Jaguars defense did force. Unfortunately, they still fall today to Cleveland, 31-227. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a defensive player of the game. That defensive player of the game is brought to you by our friends at Superior Fence and Rail. RJ, let's do it now. The Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Jacksonville's building a fence along the goal line. This is the Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Superior Fence and Rail, where quality matters. Some weeks it's harder than others to find a defensive player of the game. This was one of them. However, Devin Lloyd did have that fumble recovery. He also led the team in tackles with 11 total tackles, Leon. So Devin Lloyd is this mm-hmm. week's defensive player of the game. Yeah, I mean, he seemed to be around the ball the mass majority of the time in the game. I think he had a solid game. I just think collectively they struggled. But, you know, he was around the ball making a lot of tackles, and he did recover that fumble. Uh, actually, your boy Wingard is the one. Dewey. Dewey is the one that kind of hit the hand of Amari uh, Cooper to kind of get that, get that ball loose. So, yeah, well – we need more like him. We well, I think Dewey's got to come through here now because yeah. uh, he got Cisco hurt mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Jenkins was Jenkins banged a up. little banged up. There so was a time where it was Buster Brown, Daniel Thomas, Dewey Winger, and Antonio Johnson in the secondary. Correct. Wow. I mean, that's the Jaguars have been decimated with injuries. They were healthy last year. They're not healthy. But again, the weird thing is, there's only four games to go. Right? There's only a month to go. Other than Kirk who we think is going to be out probably at least the rest of the regular season, these guys are all coming back at some point. Right? Cam Robinson's probably going to be back. Walker mm-hmm. Whittle's probably going to be back. Jamal Agnew, I would imagine his 21-day window is going to open very soon. I mean, so I guess that's what I'm saying, Leon. You're just kind of treading water here, hoping that in the next two or three weeks, some of these guys that have been hurt can rejoin you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, agree we are, we are, I do. We're treading water right now. I mean, I – Hey, you know, if it, if it, this was a covered wagon and, and it was a lot, like a uh, Indians around us, we we're kind of corralling around each other, kind of protecting each other because you know we're we're, we're damaged goods, so to say. But this, uh, yeah, we. But I, I I just don't like that approach that you know we we're just going to hold tight until guys get right. You know, this team has got to start winning some ball games because you you know you dropped the last two. Very unimpressively. I know you're saying about the points, but just something about this team, like Coach was saying, it, it just don't feel right. I know they're scoring points, you know, and, and the two losses, I know they're scoring, but it just don't feel right. The team doesn't feel connected in some capacity. Yeah, it, it just my feeling. I don't know. Well, the Jaguars were very lucky today that both Indianapolis and Houston lost. So the Jaguars still up a game and a tiebreaker on both Indy and Houston. Back to the phone lines we go at 6 4 1. 10-10, let's go to the south side. Let's get Gary in here on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Gary, go ahead. Good morning. You know, Hacker, you say you're not blaming the offense, but the first four possessions, they punted the ball four straight times, barely moved the football. Too often that team struggles to get off to, to a quick start. It happens almost game after game. It's continuous, and that's a real problem with the team. And I'll hang up on this one. Gary, appreciate it. No, I'm not saying the offense is without blame. I'm just simply saying – there was a caller that called that said the offense hasn't been doing well. You're averaging 29 points a game, your last two losses. It's hard for me, Coach, to say the offense isn't doing well when they've put 58 points on the board the last eight quarters. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I see where you're coming from, but I also see where the uh, caller's coming from and what Leon just said. It just doesn't feel right with this group. 
when you're making mistakes where receivers and the quarterback are not on the same page, you're not getting any kind of a running game going. Uh, it just, you know, uh, we've been fortunate enough. Uh, who was the caller that called earlier and said that if, if we didn't get the turnovers, we'd have really been in trouble? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's true. But at the same time, there were parts of the ball game where, you know, we did some good things. But as long as we cannot run the football, we're going to have a problem. That's just the way it is in this league. And the defense we're getting ready to play this weekend is just as good as the one we just played. Mm-hmm. Well, on 13 games in, they're not running the ball in short yardage at all. There's nothing to do at this point, right? The hay is in the barn. I mean, 13 weeks in, at this point, if you can't run, that's kind of your identity, right? Yeah, or can well, something magically change in well, the next month? No, well, well you, can, you can tell that the coaching staff know that they, their, their personnel because of by what they're calling on third and short. They're, they're, we're in shotgun on third and twos, third and threes, third and shorts, fourth and shorts. We're in shotgun. That, that lets you know that the coaching staff just knows who we are right now. They know that we don't have the personnel up front to get the yard or two or three yards that we need to, to move the chains. And, and our inability to run the football is going to be our, it's going to be our kryptonite when the playoffs yeah. hit here. Achilles heel. It's going, yeah, it's going, it's going to be the reason why we're sent home early. Because if you can't run the ball in this league against the t- – because more than likely we're going to see the Browns again or Cincinnati. If we, we win the division, we're the fourth seed. We're going to end up seeing the Browns or Cincinnati again. If the playoffs started right yes. now, it would be Cleveland coming to Jacksonville. Here we go, yep. Well, and we'll see. Uh, by the way, uh, we'll keep you updated. Buffalo is up three on Kansas City. Probably a must win for the Bills at 6-6. Six and six. They're up three with uh, – Clock running, about 90 seconds to go. Kansas City ball. They do have two timeouts remaining. We'll keep you updated. The north side, let's get Don in here on the fifth quarter. Don, what's going on? Hey, fellas. How y'all doing? Good evening. Hey, Don. How are you, bud? What up? Uh, I've been better. Um, Heck, I actually uh, just wanted to call you out a little bit. I know we just have been talking about it, you know, as far as that. uh, Just in my personal opinion, um, yeah, defense didn't have the uh, greatest game. But uh, let's be real. um, The offense did not convert on third and fourth down. I believe at one point we were like 3-4-11, you know, with that. And that was after defense had forced uh, multiple turnovers. Um, It just was a game that the offense was not clicking. And regardless, the offense's job is to score more points than the other team has. Um, we weren't able to do that. Um, Trevor threw an uh, interception uh, under two minutes left uh, when we had opportunity to tie the game up before halftime. Um, I know we saying a lot of stuff about it was on really, which I do give him some of the blame. But at the same time, um, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback that gets the ball um, every play. And, um, you know, the same way that he gets all the glory, sometimes you got to give him all the blame. So, you know, respectfully, I'm a Jaguar fan through and through. Um, you know, I think this was on the team as a whole, but um, this one I do got to kind of chalk it up to the quarterback. I don't feel like it was his best game, and maybe he was trying uh, too hard to get back in and prove his toughness, which I commend him, and maybe they could have started him with the game um, just to make sure that, you know, he kept up his streak or whatever. But I think uh, Bethard just would have been more serviceable. Maybe they had a better game plan and sticking with that, and then maybe it would have been a little bit tougher for the Browns to be able to pick up on that than uh, knowing the tendencies alone. Um, I'll take your comment, uh, comments off of there. Thank you. Hey, Don, appreciate the phone call. Cleveland had 400 yards of offense. 400 yards of offense. I'm happy that everybody thinks the defense played great, and I think that's wonderful. At the end of the day, the Jacksonville Jaguar defense has allowed 65 points in the last two games. They have wasted a 31-point performance by the offense last week, and they wasted a 27-point performance 
by the offense this week because they couldn't stop Jake Browning and they couldn't stop Joe Flacco. And maybe that's me being too harsh and maybe I'm too much of a numbers guy. When you allow 65 points in two games to Jake Browning and Joe Flacco, you are not playing well. And this loss to me is 70-30, 65-35 on the defense. Well, you know, I've I've already said it. Uh, That's my concern going forward. I think the last two ballgames, if we'd have played a little bit better defense, we would have probably won both of them. And, but at the same time, it is a team game, and I'm with him on that. But uh, it, it, it wasn't the defense, wasn't the offense's fault completely today that they lost that well, game. Well, listen, I think the reason why we're so critical of the defense in these last two games because, like you said, Coach, coming into this season, it, nothing, there wasn't much thought of about the defense. They're, all the expectations was on how we're going to be this high-flying offense. And the defense for the mass majority of the games, at least 50% of the games, have kept us in games right. by the way they rushed That's the pass true. or stopped the run and turnovers. And then the last two ball games, and then the they last two faltered. Exactly. Right. I mean, because in the first eight games, we had, what, 11 interceptions. Yeah. And the last two, we've had two. But I'm saying turnovers, opportunities for the offense, solid run, solid pass rush. The defense has outshined itself. Right. And now the last two games, they've looked That's kind of the part. Right. Potentially the play of the year in the oh, NFL yeah. just got called back. Oh, it Fourth did. down for Kansas City. Mahomes mm. threw it to Kelsey. He's getting tackled at about the 25-yard line. He launches a lateral to Kadarius Toney, who ran it into the end zone. I, don't, I didn't see what the penalty was, but there was a penalty called, I believe, on Kansas City that takes the points off the board. Yeah, there is. They're lining up again. That was a crazy play. That goes for not. So now it's fourth and 15. Uh, boy, is Kansas City about it, to lose again? It's second and 15. Oh, second and 15. So, yeah, I'm sorry, second yeah. and 15. Yeah. So second and 15. Is Kansas City really about to lose again? They are at home. They're down three to Buffalo. Again, we'll keep you updated. Just but got a sack. Now, wow. wow. Oh, no, he got rid of oh, So it's third and 15. All right. And, and isn't this crazy? Kansas City is wounded, and they're still going to end up as a second or third seed. If they lose today, they're going to be 8-5. and five. They're going to have the same record as Jacksonville. But the AFC playoff picture is insane right now. We'll kind of go over some of it in just a bit. Let's go to the south side. Let's get Kenneth in here on the fifth quarter on 10-10XL. Kenneth, go ahead. Hey, you guys got me? Yeah, we got you, man. What's going on? Oh, uh, man, I think that, I think that you know, our defense this year is has been – a pretty big problem, but I don't think they did really anything in the offense to really improve them really at all. You didn't do anything. You added nothing to that defense, and you want to play zone, but you can't rush the quarterback. So two and two, don't. it didn't make a lot of sense why, why you would tailor a defense like that if you got Jake Browning who came in here last week and went, what, like I think he went like 32 for 37, 86% yeah, completion. 354, percentage. yep. Yeah, that's nuts. And then you just had Flacco. You guys supposed to be retired. Now his completion percentage was good, wasn't that great, but he still lit us up for 300 yards. So obviously this zone isn't working. They're going to have to find a way to work a little bit of man into this, into this a little bit. You can't tell me that these guys can't play any kind of man. It just doesn't make any sense because it seems like that's all we're doing is playing zone and we're getting picked apart. We don't have the pass. Zone call. Coach Campo, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I, 
I have to agree. I mean, uh, you know, we're not. It all starts with the pass rush. We're we're mm-hmm. we're not doing enough to to affect the quarterback. Even when we zone blitz, uh, I, I'm almost tired of seeing a zone blitz from the weak side and seeing Trevon Walker inside the tight end and letting the guy go on outside, uh, you know, mm-hmm. away from him, you know, to his side. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, we're just not uh, – we're not good enough to just play zone defense and not get pressure on the quarterback. That's all there is to it. No question about it. One hour down, one hour to go, a little less than an hour, about uh, – Uh, 60% of the way home here on the fifth quarter. We did start a little late. It was a long football game, a three-hour and 43-minute football game up in Cleveland earlier today. The Browns get it done, 31-27. Of course, Sunday night football comes to Jacksonville one week from tonight as Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, will travel down. Live from Players Grill, Miramar, 4456 Hendricks Avenue is our location. Delicious food, burgers, appetizers, chicken, you name it, they got it. Full bar. They got all the 4 o'clock games going on. It's our home for the fifth quarter. With Leon Searcy and Dave Campo, I'm the hacker Ryan Green. More of your phone calls next. We'll also give you a play of the game as we roll on. Jacksonville 8-5, and five, but, but still in first place all by themselves in the AFC South. This is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Miramar presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Shotgun, they snap it, drop it, looking, fires to the left side of the end zone, that ball is going to be caught for the touchdown, Parker Washington, the rookie in the left corner of the end zone. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars radio, Trevor Lawrence to Parker Washington, his second touchdown, touchdowns in back-to-back weeks for the rookie out of Penn State. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a play of the game. That play of the game is brought to you by our friends at Performance Painting. RJ, let's do it now. The Performance Painting play of the game. Now the Performance Painting high-performance play of the game. Performance Painting, prepare, protect, preserve. Coach, the Parker-Washington touchdown is the play of the game, and you and I talked about it earlier. I thought it was vital. That young man had a key fumble. Look, he's going to be relied on without Christian Kirk, no question. And for him not to get down in the dumps, not to put his head down and go out there and catch a touchdown in double coverage, mind you, I thought was a great sign for Parker-Washington moving forward. Excellent and really good for his confidence. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure he was down with the fumble. And to come back and have a big play like that, which was a critical play. I mean, it gave him an opportunity to, to have a chance to get back into the football game. So I, I'd, I'd say that's the play of the game. Leon, take us into your mindset. By the way, Kansas City lost to Buffalo. Mm. But what everybody is going to be talking about is Patrick Mahomes kind of lost his mind on an official. His teammates were having to hold him back. He slammed his helmet. There was a penalty that offset the go-ahead touchdown for Kansas City and Mahomes lost his mind on the sideline. That's Patrick Mahomes that had to be held back. I mean, he was – I've never seen him that agitated. The Chiefs are now 8-5. and five. I think they've lost three out of five now. I mean, is there trouble in paradise in Kansas City? Well, I mean, listen, he's passionate. I mean, he's a two-time Super Bowl winner. He doesn't like losing ball games. And right now he's got to be looking at his team. This team looks vulnerable. I mean, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. 
The offense is not – I mean, they, they got drops with wide receivers. The defense has kept them in game. He hasn't been as fluent as you would like to see him. Lost three times uh, at Lost three times at Arrowhead. Yeah. So, I mean, right now – they, they're looking at their schedule, and if they, they make the playoffs, I mean, they're going to have a home game, but they're going to have to travel somewhere to win, and that's going to be a difficult task. They've called it the Arrowhead Invitational for years, yes. the AFC Championship yeah. game. They are now two games back of Baltimore with four to go, so it looks like Kansas City will not have home field this year. Back to the phone lines we go at 641-1010, again live from Players Grill in Miramar on Hendricks Avenue. Our home for the fifth quarter. Let's go to the west side. Let's get D in here on 1010XL. D, go ahead. Hey, guys. So, I just want to go ahead and say, first off, Leon, um, you spoiled me as an 11-year-old kid. Y'all were too good uh, back then. Um, That was when the Jags were really, really good. Obviously, you remember that. You were on those teams. Uh, So, you know, we went through a stretch where we sucked, and then now we're, quote-unquote, good again. But I just – what I don't understand about these teams – or this team is like, you know, you can't tell me that going into Monday night, it wasn't a, you know, you solely an AFC if you win. Okay, I understand things happen in the NFL. It's a week by week league. So they look, they drop that game. But then you go into Cleveland with a, again, not starting quarterback. We have our guy. Uh, and we just, again, not blaming on the offense or defense as a team as a whole. I mean, how do we go in there again and, and like do this again, like I mean, there is there not a sense of urgency? The playoffs are coming up. I, like I guess my question is, and I don't know if there's an answer. I mean, but but what are we doing? Like, at what point do we? How do we correct it? I guess I, I'll take y'all's answers off there. D, great question, and Leon, that, that's the question of the night. What are we doing? I will give you the floor. I mean, I mean, it's what we're, what we're not doing. I, I mean, me and coach are a little old school, and like, most of the times I was told. When you go on the road, you set the tempo by running the football. You establish a line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Stop the run, run the football. And this team is doing neither in the last two games. They, I mean, we did a little better stopping the run this game than we did last week. But that, that, that's attitude. When you, when you go on the road, that's about attitude. And when you, you establish that attitude by running the football and stopping the run. And then you get after the passer and all that other kind of stuff. I just think this thing, I don't know what the attitude, I don't know what the tempo setter is to kind of get this team going and get their motor running. But it's air apparent that there's something is, it's just something that's just not right with this team. I don't know what, I can't put my finger on it, but it just don't feel right. Even though we're putting up points, this still doesn't feel right. Coach, it's the roller coaster that is the regular season, right? Like Leon said, 14 days ago, we sat right here, and all was right with the world. After you beat Houston, you go to 8-3. and three. Everything was great. 14 days later, oh, no, woe is me. Who knows what the conversation will be like 14 days from now? Well, it is that way. I mean, that's the National Football League. Some of the signs of what's happening right now started with Houston, in my opinion. I mean, you look back at the Houston game, we were very fortunate to win that game. Mm-hmm. And defensively, we – weren't that weren't great to be honest with you now you know I think that that Achilles heel is kind of showing up a little bit although I still in my mind we stopped the run today I thought well enough we just didn't rush the passer Mm -hmm. who can't give up 307 yards of 311 yards I think he threw for Uh, we can't do that but offensively we cannot run the football and to me, that's the, that and the defense 
their ability to get to the passer are the two things that are, are giving us a problem here, and hopefully we're going to be able to, uh, to rectify that. We told you we'd give you a playoff update. Uh, with Kansas City's loss, they've been updated. Now, again, Miami plays tomorrow night against Tennessee, and they should absolutely destroy the Titans, you would think. So assuming Miami wins, and the other game is an NFC game with the Packers and with the Giants. So Baltimore right now is your one seed. They're coming to Jacksonville next Sunday. They're 10-3. and three. Miami, again, plays tomorrow night. They're 9-3. and three. You would expect them to beat Tennessee to get to 10-3. and three. Kansas City is your three at eight and five. Jacksonville, your four at eight and five. If the playoffs started today, your wild cards would be Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Indy. So with a month to go, if the playoffs were tomorrow, Indy would go to Miami, Pittsburgh would go to Kansas City, and Cleveland would come to Jacksonville. That's the way it looks in the AFC. The NFC's as crazy. It's, it's all a jumbled mess. You realize in the NFC, there are... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are seven teams in the NFC that are either seven and six or six and seven. You want to talk about parity at its finest. The NFL has it this year. To the west side we go. Let's get Zach in here on 1010XL. Zach, go ahead. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're good, Zach. How are you, man? Good, man. Good. So, hey, um, I think I heard you guys talk about it earlier, you know, how you know the team is the average 29 points uh the past couple of weeks on offense, but you know why? Why is this team so bad on you know the short yardage stuff? Like you know it'd be third and two or whatever, and we'll throw the ball ten to fifteen yards down down the field. It, it drives me crazy, and I'm just curious why are we so bad at that? Thank you. Well, yeah, I know you addressed <clears throat> it, but obviously we uh, have yeah. a lot of different people listening now that were listening an hour ago. They're the worst short yardage team in the league. Are they absolutely, not? they are absolutely They're the worst in the league. And that's an indictment on every offensive lineman because that, that's a, your, your toughness is in question. When your team's in shotgun and short yardage and third and short, fourth and short, and they don't feel they can get a yard or two, that's all on the offensive line. They don't feel that you're physical enough up front to push the pile to get us a yard or two. And that's a slap in any offensive lineman's face. And, I, and, and quite frankly, I'm surprised there's a lot of offensive linemen on, on that sideline. They, they are not pissed off. There's got to be some leadership on that offensive line there's got to say something that has to say, listen, we need to run the ball. We need to run the ball. And, 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 but that, that's, that's how they set the tempo when they start the game. When they start the game, they, they run the ball, they get a two-yard loss, one-yard loss, and then the, then the coordinator, he loses confidence in, in the running game, and then he abandons and he starts throwing the ball. But you've got to be more solid up front if you want the coordinator to call more run plays and, you know, so, so you can get your motor on it. I mean – their, their inability to run the football at crucial moments is going to be, the, like Coach said, their Achilles heel. And, Coach, at this point, like the hay is in the barn, right? You're 13 weeks in. You're not going to change who you are. The Jaguars just don't run it between the tackles well at all. Well, not only in short yardage. I mean, they didn't do well on first down today. I mean, you've got to win first down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it. I know this. You've got to get five yards on first down. That's what has to happen. You start going second and nine, second and eight. Now all of a sudden, you know, th- there's a lot of error in there. You know, you you got to have a, a second and five and then make it third and one. And we're not very good at third and one. But when it's second and five, you got a chance to get the first down on the next play. Mm. And that's where we're, we're really struggling. All right, Xavier, Joe, the rest of you guys hang in there. You'll be up 
on the other side. We're going to go into overtime here on the fifth quarter. Usually we're done at 8 o'clock, but when the Jaguars play a three-hour and 43-minute football game, we'll take you a little into the 8 o'clock hour. we got about 20 or 25 minutes left. We'll do one more segment of open phone lines at 641-1010. It is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We are presented by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen with Leon Searcy and Dave Campo. The Hacker Ryan Green with you here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Miramar. Presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Dropping the throws Trevor, looking, fires, back of the end zone, that's Evan Ingram, that's the touchdown, that's the money guy. Touchdown, Evan Ingram, a two-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars radio, that's one of two Evan Ingram touchdowns that he had today up in Cleveland. Every uh, week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a drive of the game. That drive of the game is brought to you by our friends at Tire Outlet. RJ, let's do it now. The Tire Outlet Drive of the Game. Now, the Tire Outlet Drive of the Game. Tire Outlet. Wholesale prices, premium service. Trailing 28-14, the Jaguars went nine plays, 75 yards. Took three minutes and 42 seconds off the clock until ultimately punching it in uh, with a touchdown to cut it to 28-21 as the Jaguars at that point were right in the ball game, but unfortunately Cleveland got it done 31-27. But your tire outlet drive of the game, nine plays, 75 yards. Coach, one of the things I wanted to ask you about that, it's 28-20. to What is with the two-point conversion down eight? I mean, I thought the delay of game or whatever it was, the false start was the best penalty of the year because it meant they had to kick the extra point. I, I don't care what analytics and decimal points. Why are you going for two when you're up or down by eight points. Well, he's an aggressive guy, and, and his whole thing is that, that he didn't, uh, you know, they're on the road, team's not playing very well. They tried to get a little edge to where they'd have a chance to have a six-game, six you know, six-point situation as opposed to having to tie. That's kind of the road thing. But I'm old school. I wouldn't have gone for either one of the two, so I'd have kicked the extra point on both of them. Leon, do you understand the analytics of all this? I have no idea. I, I know, like you said, that penalty with the delay of game on that, that the two point conversion. That was the best penalty. I had of the no year. idea what he was doing. I, it, was, it made it was it was utterly nonsense to me. And then to go for it again and put yourself in a situation where you get the onside kick. Now you got to go score a touchdown. To where now I understand you tried to get get in a situation where if you get the onside kick, if you if you scored the two point conversion. Kick a field goal, now you win. Yeah, I understand that aggressiveness, but uh, like Coach said, I'm old school. I don't understand this analytics stuff, whatever. Let's get a couple of final phone calls in this evening. Let's go to the south side with Xavier in here on 1010XL. Xavier, what do you got? Hey, what's up, Hack? What's up, Leon? Hey, Leon. How are you, you, man? I just want to say, oh, good, man. I just want to say I have the the utmost respect for you as a person and as a former offensive lineman. You know, I'm looking at this football team. Like you said, you know, there's just a bunch of holes. It just, it looks very, um, it looks very, you know, things just look weird right now. And I, I'll have to say the offensive line, there's huge holes there. Like 
you know, the team might have looked good at a certain point with the offensive line. But I've been saying this from the get-go. They got to fix that offensive line and they got to fix the trenches because they don't have enough tenacity on the offensive line or the defensive line. And they're, they're just having problems in both areas. So, guys, I'm going to take my comments off there. I just want to hear what y'all have to say. Xavier, appreciate the phone call. Coach, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've said it all night. Uh, you know, up front is, is you know, now you have the injury bug going with it. You know, I mean, uh, we have not been able to come off the football and go after anybody at all this year, in my opinion. The only time we've ever made the yardage is on the perimeter. And when we go to the perimeter in short yardage, you don't get very much because the penetration gets you. So, you know, I, I, that's been rough for us. And uh, defensively, I, you know, I'm not, as, I'm not as upset with the run defense as I am rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. The, the run defense has been okay this year. It's been good enough, you know, to, to win some ball games, even today. But we couldn't get to them. And, you know, we're playing zone defense back there, and they're sticking things in there. Well, you know, well, Coach, it was like when we had, uh, we had Troy Aikman on the show the other day, right? And Troy said that the offensive line in his heyday with the Cowboys was the tempo setter. Right. He said that the offensive line set the tempo for the run game and the passing game. And I, I, I tend to agree with it. I, I agree with it. When I was with the Steelers, our, our offensive coordinator was uh, Ron Earhart. All right, Ron Earhart, before the games, he would go in and ask the offensive line. We had top ten plays. He would ask the offensive line, uh, what plays y'all want to run first? Because he understood that in order for this offense to get moving, you got to get the offensive line going. And running the ball kind of sets the tempo. But now if they call run plays, you can't, get, you can't be tackled for two-yard losses and three-yard losses. And that's what we're doing. We're finding ourselves in situations where it's second and long and third and long because we can't run the ball on first down or second down. So that offensive line has got to toughen up because they're being exposed by bigger, badder defensive fronts. Let's quickly get to Joe in Orange Park here on 1010XL. Joe, you're in under the wire. What's going on? Hey, man, I appreciate it. It's probably been like 10 years since I've called you. Um, am I the only one that saw that when Cleveland was playing left tackle, there were actually holes for ETN? I don't know if it, I just happened to look at it and catch it, but I saw holes, and I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, I know everybody's talking about Deshaun Watson and Chubb, but I've been following Cleveland for fantasy reasons, and without them, they are tough. They run the ball, and they stop the run. They surprised us with some passes. I think we're going to be okay. There aren't two teams in the AFC not named Miami that have offenses that I trade with. Um, we'll just see what happens, man. we got the playoffs coming up. We, things seem to be okay. We're not the number one seed, but I, I'm okay with this team. I'm happy. I mean, I haven't seen a, a team this good in a long time. I'm happy for it. I'll take the L. I just uh, – Jacksonville has some finicky fans, man. That's it. I'll take it off the air. Appreciate you. Joe, appreciate it. I mean, the bottom line is, though, they did lose to Jake Browning and Joe Flacco in back-to-back weeks. Joe Flacco, who hasn't played in the NFL in a calendar year and who was watching NFL Sunday Ticket with his kids three weeks ago, as they <laughs> talked about on the uh, broadcast. So, I understand fans being frustrated, no question about that. We'll come back. We'll put a wrap. We'll get the uh, injury report out there. It's long again. And we will talk about Baltimore coming in here one week from tonight. One week from right now, as a matter of fact, at Everbank Stadium, 
What a scene it should be. Fifth quarter, we wrap it up next. Live from Players Grill on Hendricks Avenue in Miramar, it's 1010XL and it's 92.5 FM. This is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Miramar. Presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. He keeps it. Travis Etienne spins toward the goal line. He is going to get tackled at about the one-inch line. He took it on a direct snap. He and Bigsby were in the backfield together. He spun his way to about the... One inch line, maybe. The ball's almost touching the goal line. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was Frank Frangie on the call. Jaguars radio. The Farah and Farah injury update. Again, doesn't look good. Andre Sisco left the game. Did not come back. I do not believe. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins left the game a couple of times. He did come back. And then Leon Ezra Cleveland, you know, who came in to play tackle, never played a game of tackle in his life in the NFL, was doing a decent job. He leaves with a knee. So now you're without Cam Robinson, Walker Little, and you were without Ezra Cleveland for a majority of the game today. I mean, it is a mash unit right now on the O-line. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, listen, hands did play left tackle, and the mass majority of the time – I mean, I, I, I would have to give him a, a decent grade. I mean, he was hanging on for his dear life, Matt, majority of the time. Playing maybe he, the best DN he, he, in the league. He, the best DN in the league. He was jumping out of the stands, had a couple of four stars. I understand why, because Miles Garrett definitely had to jump on him. But some of the times when he was beat, man, he did an outstanding job pushing the guy around Trevor. Trevor stepped up in the pocket. Trevor had to know that there was a mismatch on that side, and Trevor knew to step up in the pocket a couple of times because there's a couple of times my, you know, my heart raced when Trevor – when Miles Garrett came around that corner. But Hans, you know, he stepped in, hadn't played that position since he was, what, in college or something like that? I mean, so you got to give him a hats off. But, yeah, the offensive line is a mass unit right now. But, right, yeah, listen, can't cry with spilled milk, you know. You got you to you you pull up your britches and play some ball. So whatever you need to do, get it done. All right, Coach, as we take a deep breath, we've got about three minutes left, deep breath. It's a push today in the AFC South. Everybody lost. So the Jaguars still in first place, still control their own destiny to win the division and have at least one home playoff game. And to me, that's the goal, right? All that talk of the number one seed is now over. All the talk about being the elite of the AFC for the here and now is over. To me, the next month is about winning the division and getting at least one home playoff game. Yeah, you got four games to do it in. And, uh, you know, I think they, you know, they've got to find a way here to rally and get back and Somehow the coaches have got to, to, to really step it up because when there's a lot of mistakes made, you can, you can blame the players, but you can also blame the coaches. Uh, you know, they've got to do something to kind of rally the troops, and I think they will do that. I think we have a good coaching staff. Uh, they have to push the focus issues with this football team going forward, in my opinion. Leon, as we wrap up, here we go again. <laughs> National Showcase game, Kansas City at home, they mm-hmm. lost. National Showcase game, San Francisco at home, they got destroyed. National Showcase game last week against mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Monday night, they lost. National TVs will be here again. Um, if you go on history, it doesn't look good for the Jaguars, but can they get over the hump and perform well when the national eyes are on them? Well, yeah, that's concerning because when the lights are brightest, we come up shortest. That, that's, that's concerning, and especially at home. 
especially at home. Um, you've got to play better at home. I mean, or why make the playoffs? Right now you're the fourth seed. You're probably going to win the division. You're going to have your home playoff game. You're going to lose that one too? I mean, come on now. You, 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 you're center stage. Everybody's watching. And this team has underperformed week in and week out in the biggest stage of professional football. And that's alarming to me. I don't know if it's the coaching. No, it's not the coaches. It's the players. When the lights are brightest, that's when you got to shine. And unfortunately, this team has not been doing that this season. You got another opportunity against a very, very good Ravens team. L Boogie's coming to town. I don't call him Lamar Tom. <laughs> I don't call him Lamar Jackson. He's L Boogie. And if you don't get any pass rush on him, he's going to light you up or he's going to run all over you. Coach, final thought. Baltimore comes in next week. Every game is different. You know, you come in here, uh, look at what happened today. Chicago upset uh, it Detroit. Detroit. They swept them Upset this Detroit. Uh, you know, it happens every week. Uh, if they come in here thinking, hey, this Jacksonville team is not exactly what everybody's saying they are, anything can happen, believe me. Next Sunday, we will be here for the fifth quarter. We'll be here with you Monday morning at about 1.30 a.m., but we will be here for the fifth quarter following the Jaguars and the Ravens. Leon, I enjoyed it. I'll talk to you on Hacker After Dark later in the week. You got it. Coach, you and I will have Monday night coaching with Campo tomorrow night on Hacker After Dark. John O'Leary was your on-site engineer tonight. John, great job. R.J. Saunders was back at the studio making it all happen. This has been the Window World of Northeast Florida. Fifth quarter, we have been presented by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. Thank you to Players Grill in Miramar, 4456 Hendricks Avenue, for having us out for the fifth quarter. 16 hours of local programming begins tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. with Jeff Prosser on the drill. I'll close it out tomorrow night beginning at 8 o'clock on Hacker After Dark. Until then, good night, Jacksonville. Come and dig my earth None will level on the mine Nobody of it is worth Get in love.